good evening, everyone. It's good to see you here this evening. Uh, for those of uh, you who have uh, come to uh, this place in order to catch a glimpse into the heart of one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, that is the person of Jeremiah. And as I mentioned uh, this morning, uh, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He's called the weeping prophet uh, because he takes uh, his message personally and distinctively uh, to a nation that is unraveling before his very eyes, and there are great uh, parallels between what Jeremiah was going through with the nation of Judah uh, as well as our own nation as we, continue, as we uh, seek to understand uh, what God was wanting to communicate through him. I want you to hear some scriptures penned by Jeremiah or spoken, I should say, by Jeremiah to give you a sense of the heart of the man. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. From on high, he, he sent fire into my bones. He made it descend. He spread a net for my feet. He turned me back. He has left me stunned, faint, all day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke, and by his hand they were fastened together. They were set upon my neck, and he caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. For these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me. One to revive my spirit, my children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. My eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns, my bile is poured out to the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. Have you ever plunged to that level of despair in your own personal walk with God? That's Jeremiah. Those come from the book of Lamentations attributed to Jeremiah. It's not inappropriate that the book of Lamentations would be penned by this man. As you will begin to see in the book of Jeremiah, uh, we find that he is engaged fully in the message that God had given to him, but he does so not dispassionately, but he's fully engaged. It's personal to him, and that's the title of the message this evening. It's personal. Jeremiah's message was personal. He took it personally. And you'll find that his personality is written all over the book of Jeremiah. Tonight will be essentially an overview of the book, giving you a taste and a flavor for what Jeremiah was going through. I'm trying to put his person as well as his message in context for you this evening. And then as we pick up the series in a couple of weeks, we'll begin to unpack chapter by chapter uh, what Jeremiah went through during the nature of his ministry. Jeremiah lived during the kingship of Josiah, who was probably the last great reformer of Judah. 
And he also lived during the systematic collapse of Judah following uh, Josiah in, in uh, an exile that was sort of staged over a period of time. In 609 B.C., Josiah decided to get engaged in a battle against the Egyptians, and he was killed. And in 605, the Egyptians were defeated by the Babylonians at a famous battle of Carchemish, and Jehoiakim began as the king of Judah paying tribute to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Uh, during that period of time, from 605 on, some of the young nobility were taken to Babylon in exile. It may have included Daniel at that particular point in time. In 601, Nebuchadnezzar defeated, was defeated actually in a battle by Egypt, and, and Judah took that as an occasion to rebel against Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar then laid siege to Jerusalem. And the king Jehoiakim was captured and killed. It was 598 B.C. His son Jehoiachin, who was only 18 years old at the time, was his successor, and he lasted for about three months before he was captured and then taken off to Babylon himself. He turns out to have been the rightful ruler who was sustained through the Babylonian exile, but that's another story for another time. But once Jehoiachin, this young man, was taken off to Babylon, along with, by the way, a number of others of the best and the brightest in Judah, Jehoiakim's uncle Zedekiah became the puppet ruler of Judah under Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Zedekiah eventually allied himself with Egypt and rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, thought he could get away with it, but then Jerusalem again was besieged and fell for the final time in 587 or 586, right in that period of time. And the temple was destroyed when that took place, and the walls were torn down of Jerusalem, and many, many others were exiled and taken off into Babylon. And, and the point is, Jeremiah witnessed all of that, from the great reforms of, Je of Josiah all the way through the complete collapse of Judah and its destruction and exile into Babylon. And he took all of this very personally. Uh, you and I might be able to turn on the television and watch various aspects of our nation and culture, and we might be somewhat distressed by it, but we have this television screen in front of us, and we can easily dissociate ourselves from the actual events that might be taking place. But Jeremiah could not do so. He took it all personally. And so this evening, I'd like us, by way of an overview of the book of Jeremiah, to see in what ways he was personally affected. First of all, the call of Jeremiah was personal. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day 
over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, and to build and to plant. And so God tells Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah had a personal relationship with God before he was even born. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The word for know there is the Hebrew word yada, which is a relational kind of knowing. It's the Hebrew idiom, by the way, that's used in the Old Testament for sexual relations. Remember, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived, that sort of thing is the way that word is used. And so God had this personal relationship with Jeremiah even before he was born. But Jeremiah, of course, objects to that mission. He says, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. And God said, well, be quiet, Jeremiah. Shut up for a moment. Has God ever told you to, to shut up for a moment? He did that. He says, be quiet. You will go to whomever I send you. And you'll say whatever I want you to say. I've not chosen anybody else to do this. I've chosen you. I don't see a choice there, do you? Let's give Jeremiah a choice. Do you want to do the job, Jeremiah? No, I'm just sending you. You're the one. God called him personally. And then the text tells this amazing, amazing story when he sa it says, he touched my mouth. There is no more personal gesture that God could do for his messenger than to touch the mouth of his messenger, his prophet. Behold, God says, I've put my words in your mouth. And so Jeremiah took all of this personally because his call was personal. By the way, when God called you, when God called you, do, do you realize that call was personal? He wasn't just throwing it out there. If you, want to, if you want to come along, fine. No, he's talking to you. He was talking to you. He says, I'm calling you to belong to me, to be one of my people, to go forth and communicate the gospel in whatever way I command you. The call of God is always personal. It was personal with Jeremiah. Jeremiah found this whole mission to be personal because he was personally invested in in this prophecy. That's an interesting story. In chapter 32 of Jeremiah, beginning in verse 6, Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, Buy my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, Buy my field that is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. What God had told Jeremiah actually happened right away. And so verse 9, And I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. I charged Baruch in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord God of hosts, 
the God of Israel, take these deeds, both this sealed deed and the purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware vessel that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Now this was the time in which the, the, the Judah was collapsing, Jerusalem was about to be destroyed, and God tells Jeremiah to go invest in real estate. Does it make sense to you to do that, by the way? Is that the way you would conduct your real estate transactions? But he was personally invested even in the exile and in its aftermath. He engages in what could be described as the worst real estate transaction in the history of the human race. It's like buying swampland in Arizona or something like that. doesn't make any sense to anyone, but he did it because God told him to do it. But the reason why it makes sense is because it made sense in the long run. Because in addition to Jeremiah proclaiming that Judah was going to collapse, he also had a message that Judah was going to be restored. And that's why the real estate transaction would make sense. The exile would eventually end. And if Jeremiah didn't see his own land, his family did and would have in the promised land. So he was personally invested in his ministry. Are you personally invested in the ministry, in the ministry God has given to you, in the ministry of this place? I trust that you are. That's why Jeremiah was personally invested. Another reason why it's personal with Jeremiah is because Jeremiah's actions were misunderstood by almost everyone. In chapter 37, we read this. Now, when the Chaldean army had withdrawn from Jerusalem at the approach of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah set out from Jerusalem to go to the land of Benjamin to receive his portion there among the people. See, what had, what had happened is that, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his army was uh, besieging Jerusalem, and uh, then Pharaoh and the Egyptian army began to press itself northward and threatened the Babylonian position, which distracted the Babylonians for a while, and it looked as if Jerusalem might be let off the hook. And so the Babylonian army withdrew, and so Jeremiah uses that as an occasion to get out of town for a little while. Verse 13 of chapter 37, when he was at the Benjamin gate, a sentry there named Erijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah, seized Jeremiah the prophet, saying, you are deserting to the Chaldeans. Jeremiah said, that's a lie. I'm not deserting to the Chaldeans. But Elijah would not listen to him and seized Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. And the officials were enraged at Jeremiah. They beat him and imprisoned him in the house of Jonathan the secretary, for it had been made a prison. When Jeremiah had come to the dungeon cells and remained there many days, King Zedekiah sent for him and received him. The king questioned him secretly in his house and said, is there any word from the Lord? It's interesting how the relationship with Jeremiah unfolded with Zedekiah, wicked king if there ever was one, but he knew there was something special about Jeremiah, he even consulted with Jeremiah. Is there any word from the Lord, Zedekiah says. Jeremiah said, there is, and then he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. So that's bad news if you're Zedekiah. Jeremiah also said to King Zedekiah, What wrong have I done to you or your servants or this people that you put me in prison? He says this to the king. 
Where are your prophets who prophesied to you, saying, The king of Babylon will not come against you and against this land? Now hear, please, O my lord the king, let my humble plea come before you, and do not send me back to the house of Jonathan the secretary, lest I die there. So King Zedekiah gave orders, and they committed Jeremiah to the court of the guard, and a loaf of bread was given him daily from the baker's street until all the bread of the city was gone. So Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. So here's Jeremiah going about his business. He's arrested. He's put in the slammer. Eventually, only by appealing to the king was he consigned to house arrest in the courthouse of the guard. All of that is without warrant. Now, we see some of that kind of thing happening, even in our own country today, in which people are misrepresented and placed under various kinds of confinement inappropriately. That's what happened to Jeremiah more than once all without warrant. So Jeremiah took all of this personally because he was misunderstood. Well, let me ask you, would you fulfill your ministry if you were roundly and universally misunderstood for it? I think we're in that kind of position as the people of God in this time and age. Jeremiah took his ministry personally because he was betrayed by his own family. Betrayed by his own family. Jeremiah 12, verses 5 and 6, If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For even your brothers and the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. They are in full cry after you. They do not believe them, though they speak friendly words with you. Even when we find ourselves in a difficult ministry, in a misunderstood ministry, most of us can usually rely on and call on a few friends and relatives, perhaps, who will support us in a difficult and dark time, but not Jeremiah. He had no one to support him. Even his own family was filled with backbiting traitors. So let me ask you, will you continue in, in ministry if your own flesh and blood turned against you? Another reason why Jeremiah found his minister and, or took his ministry personally was because we find that he was Jeremiah contramundum. Jeremiah contramundum. Contramundum is a Latin phrase which means against the world. You may have heard that phrase before. Contramundum is used in theological history to describe the ministry of Athanasius. Athanasius was the bishop of, of Alexandria, and he was, lived during a period when he was dealing with the Arian heresy, which denied the deity of Jesus Christ. You might remember some time ago, I had an evening series on heroes of the faith, and we covered Athanasius in that uh, series. Well, anyway, Athanasius was the bishop of Alexandria, and he was dealing with this Arian heresy. He was the chief voice affirming the deity of the Son of God. He defended the Nicene Creed. But he found himself being opposed by the religious hierarchy. He found himself being opposed by the emperor. Even though he was the bishop of Alexandria, he was exiled from Alexandria five times because he would not compromise the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ. He was Athanasius contra mundum, Athanasius against the world. Well, that describes Jeremiah from beginning to end, it seems. 
Listen to chapter 1 of Jeremiah, beginning in verse 17. But you, dress yourself for work, arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls. Listen, this is God speaking to Jeremiah, against the whole land, against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord God, to deliver you. And so God, in his call of Jeremiah, puts him between a rock and a hard place. The whole land is against him. The kings will be against him. The officials will be against him. The priests will be against him. Even all the people will be against him. It's Jeremiah against the world. Chapter 18, verse 18, Then they said, Come, let us make plots against Jeremiah, for the law law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us strike him with the tongue, and let us not pay any attention to any of his words. This was a plot of the men of Judah against Jeremiah. Jeremiah 20, Now Pasher the priest, the son of Inmer, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, and Pasher beat Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate of the house of the Lord. So being against the world world has uh, was no theoretical or rhetorical contest. Jeremiah was beaten for his message. He was put in the stocks, which is a public square event for everyone to see, his humiliation. Jeremiah 26, the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the prophet, all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, The house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people, imagine this, gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. This is the mob. The mob surrounds him. The mob in those days was alive and well. And it couldn't stand when Jeremiah spoke the truth of God to them. Jeremiah 28 In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. That sounds like wonderful news. You'd want to believe that, wouldn't you? Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah, the prophet in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen! Amen! Praise the Lord, brother! That's not in the text. I threw that in just... May the Lord do so, 
Jeremiah says, May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Yet now, this, hear this word that I'm speaking in your hearing, in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of Jeremiah the prophet and broke them. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon from the neck of all the nations within two years. Jeremiah the prophet went his way. This is a false prophet, and the false prophet is against Jeremiah. Jeremiah 32, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was in the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. And he shall take Zedekiah to Babylon, and there shall he shall remain until I visit him, declares the Lord." Though you fight against the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. The king is against Jeremiah. Prophets, kings, priests, people against Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah 36. So they went into the court of the king, having put the scroll into the chamber of Elishama the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. This is the, what Jeremiah had dictated to his secretary, a scroll. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and Jehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. And Jehudi read three or four columns, and the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Even when Elnathan and Deliah and Gemariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch the secretary and Jeremiah the prophet. But the Lord hid them. So these are Jeremiah's words dictated to the scribe Baruch, and Zedekiah burned them, strip by strip, column by column, in the fire, in the fire pot. And this is not as if Jeremiah had all of it saved on his hard drive or even in the cloud. This was the only copy. He burned it. Jeremiah 38, now Shephatiah the son of Matan, Gedaliah the son of Pasher, Jukal the son of Shelemiah, and Pasher the son of Malchijah 
heard the words that Jeremiah was saying to all the people. I'm going to stop here for just a moment and uh, give you just a little brief word. I just want to uh, thank publicly Byron Black for his reading of Scripture this morning. Amen, Amen right? And, and, I, and I want you to know that um, if I ever ask you to read Scripture, uh, you, I will not ask you to read the names that Byron Black read. But very few people are capable of doing that. Byron is one of them. As a, as a seasoned pastor, he's had to, he's had to do that. And uh, so just trust me, if I ever ask you to read or we ever ask you to read Scripture, we won't put that burden upon you. So there are these words, and Byron did a great job with it this morning. Continuing, that was just a no extra charge for that little episode there. Thus says the Lord, he who stays in this city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. But he who goes out to the Chaldeans shall live. He shall have his life as a prize of war and live. Thus says the Lord, the city shall surely be given into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon and he and be taken. Then the officials said to the king, let this man be put to death, for he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in this city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of this people, but their harm. King Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah, cast him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. Now there was no water in the cistern, but only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. You get what's going on there. You want to get rid of this guy. They're going to dump him into a well and let him die there. When Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, a eunuch who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern, the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went from the king's house and said to the king, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they did to Jeremiah the prophet by casting him into the cistern, and he will die there of hunger, for there's no bread left in the city. And then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, take 30 men with you from here and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to the house of the king to a wardrobe in the storehouse and took from there old rags and worn out clothes, which he let down to Jeremiah in the cistern by ropes. Then Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, put the rags and clothes between your armpits and the ropes, and Jeremiah did so. And then they drew Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. It's interesting, uh, Zedekiah had this interesting relationship. He was a weak king, really weak king. And the, the officials were running the show. And they tried to get rid of Jeremiah by throwing him in the cistern. Again, Jeremiah contramundum against the world. Uh, Zedekiah then was persuaded to give him some assistance through this, one of the heroes of the book of Jeremiah, Ebed-Melech. And so Jeremiah was against the world. The world was against Jeremiah. Are you willing to go against pretty much everyone to fulfill the ministry God calls you to fulfill? That's the message. And there's Jeremiah's distress. He was distraught over the devastation of Judah. In chapter 4 of Jeremiah, listen to this. My anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent. 
for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Crash follows hard on crash. The whole land is laid waste. Suddenly my tents are laid waste, my curtains in a moment. How long must I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil. But how to do good they know not. I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void into the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and behold, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and behold, there was no man, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and behold, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before His fierce anger. That's what Jeremiah saw unfolding among his own people. And he couldn't stand the thought that his city, his nation, was dissolving before his eyes. Are you similarly distraught over the condition of your nation or of your church? Another reason why Jeremiah's ministry was personal to him was because he identified with the people that were about to undergo destruction. Jeremiah chapter 8, he says, My joy is gone, grief is upon me, my heart is sick within me. Behold, the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and their foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? A couple of chapters later, chapter 10, woe is me. Because of my hurt, my wound is grievous. But I said, truly, this is an affliction, then I must bear it. My tent is destroyed, and all my cords are broken. My children have gone from me, and they are not, and there is no one to spread my tent again and to set up my curtains. You see, Jeremiah identifies with the people who are about to be destroyed, about to be carted into exile. Do you identify with the people to whom you minister that are under great distress, spiritually and otherwise? Do you identify with them? Another reason why this was personal to Jeremiah is that Jeremiah's pain was personal. He says in chapter 15, Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole world, and I have not lent nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. The Lord said, Have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded with you before the enemy in time of trouble and in time of distress? Can one break iron and from iron from the north and bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as spoil without price for all your sins throughout all your territory. I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For my, in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever." And then Jeremiah responds, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors and your forbearance. Take me not away. I know that for your sake I bear reproach. 
For your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. If I did, I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone, because your hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. And then he says this, why is my pain unceasing? Why is my pain unceasing? Why is my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? You know, dear friends, sometimes ministry can be painful. Painful. Will you continue in ministry even when it's painful? That's the message of Jeremiah. Another reason it's personal is that Jeremiah wrestles with the Lord. Do you wrestle with God from time to time? Jeremiah 12, righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither for the evil of those who dwell in it? The beasts and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our latter end. Jeremiah 14, have you utterly rejected Judah? Does your soul loathe Zion? Why have you struck us down so that there is no healing for us? We looked for peace, but no good came, a time of healing, but behold, terror. We acknowledge our wickedness, O Lord, and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. Do not spurn us for your namesake. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember and do not break your covenant with us. Are there any among the false gods of the nations that can bring rain, or can, the, can heaven give showers? Are you not he, O Lord, our God? We set our hope on you, for you do all things, all these things. O Lord, you have deceived me. Or chapter 20, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction, for the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. And Jeremiah said, basically, I, I'm, I'm done being a prophet. I want to just simply just shut up. I don't want to put myself in this position anymore. I'm just going to stop speaking. But... There it was. The message of God was as fire in his bones, and he couldn't help but to speak it. Verse 10, for I hear many whispering, terror is on every side. Denounce him, let us denounce him, say all my close friends watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived. Then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a dread terror, therefore my persecutors will stumble they will not overcome me. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. 
O Lord of hosts, who tests the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. Cursed, he says, be the day on which I was born, the day when my mother bore me. Let it not be blessed. He wished he was never born. That's how distressed he was. That's Jeremiah. That's a picture of the man and how personally he took the nature of his ministry. It's a message to us of how personally invested we also must be in the ministry God has called us to participate in. Now, fortunately, we have good news. Jeremiah had pretty much bad news to communicate. We have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the best news imaginable. But we, like Jeremiah, will be misunderstood, will be rejected, will be, we'll find ourselves against the world, we'll find ourselves contramundum, we'll find ourselves being antagonized by a world that's going in the opposite direction, even though we have the best news imaginable in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's what we have, and that's why Jeremiah speaks to us in our age. In spite of being misunderstood, distressed, cast aside and oppressed, we still have a message to deliver. And that's what Jeremiah is going to teach us, and I think we'll learn a great deal about it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your extraordinary gifts in, that you've given to us. We recognize that with those gifts come remarkable responsibility. We recognize as well, Father, that as we fulfill our responsibilities, as we, as we fulfill the ministry to which you've called us, we will often find ourselves against the world, maybe even against our own families. We might find ourselves misunderstood, rejected, mistreated. We find it all the time, all across this world, where believers are finding themselves in a persecuted and oppressed state. But, Father, we pray that you would help us to be faithful, even in the midst of a culture which seems to be disintegrating around us. Open our hearts and minds to the message of Jeremiah, and we'll give glory to you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.